Welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition and helps you create a life by design. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and with me is my co-host, Travis McQueen. And today, we got a Q&A. My speakers are loud. I feel like I'm yelling check, at you. Check, check. All right. Before we get into the podcast, as always, guys, if you enjoy this free content, few quick notes is, uh, number one, we have a lot more. Head over to tailorcoachmethod.com slash guides. You can download our free guides or slash blog to consume all the articles that are evidence-based and give you tons and tons of info. Uh, if you enjoy this podcast specifically more than the rest, please leave us a five-star rating review if you have not already and share it with a friend. As I have mentioned on most of the Q&As, it is November, which means Giant is doing a Black Friday sale. Use the coupon code TCM10 to get the Black Friday discount and 10% off on top of that all month long. All right. Let's answer some questions. Let's get into it. Uh, We got one coming from Kaylee B. Franklin. It says, how do we enjoy the holidays that are coming up without losing progress? Man, now I'm like, is this even going to air before? I guess we can talk about Christmas. I don't even know if this, this will air before Thanksgiving. I mean, this on Monday. So this yeah. is, oh, perfect. Okay, yeah. so this is going to air right before Monday. Yeah. Um, or right before Christmas, or Thanksgiving. Um, I was thinking this was next Friday for yeah. some reason. Nope. Perfect. Uh, honestly, I think you should just fucking enjoy it. I think that, you know, when she wrote an email to the, my, uh, to the list. So if you're on the email list, you will get this. If you're not... Go download any of the free guides. You can jump on the list. But um, it's uh, I basically just kind of dive into why you really shouldn't overthink this holiday. I think that a lot of times people, there, there's like two camps here. There's the camp that end up trying too hard to try and stick to their plan, track their macros, track their calories, do all that shit. And it's just, at the end of the day, there's just no way you are going to be accurate with that. You can't look at the table and accurately do that. And I pray to God you're not asking grandma to weigh something before she (laughs) makes it, you know? And so definitely not, um, definitely not something you want to try to overdo or track. Um, but I would even say like you, you obviously could go, okay, well, you know, we're going to have gravy. We're going to have this. Like, I'm just going to put random stuff in there and get a ballpark. And that's cool. But I also think it's just, you just got to take a break sometimes. So I think most people should just literally don't track, don't diet, don't even think about that stuff. Um, I mean, even, even if the break is one day. Literally. Okay. Yeah. Not going to kill you. Get back at it. Yeah, exactly. Like I always encourage don't binge, you know, so don't go into it like with the fucking mentality and eat a whole pumpkin pie, which literally I have done before. You feel like shit the next day and outside of potentially ruining some progress, which you very well could if you down 10,000 calories on Thanksgiving, but nonetheless, you just feel lethargic. It's just not good for your body. It's not good for your digestion, not good for your mindset. You're going to feel super groggy and tired the next day. Um, just not worth it. But I think most people should just take the day off of any type of dieting. I think that doing that every now and then is actually extremely healthy for you. It's good for you to just step away, not worry about macros, not worry about my fitness power track or anything like that. If you want to, I always get a good workout in in the morning because I feel good training early in the morning and then going off and enjoying my day with the family. But um, I think everybody should step away. Now there's two camps here too. There's the camp that is like, you should go all in. And there's the camp that like, you should be mindful. Yeah. And I think the important thing is, is it doesn't really fucking matter which one you're in. Don't judge the other party. I think that's, that's the problem with camps really in most things, but in general, because if somebody goes into the holiday, I have clients of mine that I think about with this. And I even do this myself. Like I don't enjoy stuffing my face anymore. So like 
I always have a slice of pumpkin pie because my grandma makes homemade pumpkin pie. I love it. And I will have everything that I actually think looks good. I'm not going to just eat random. Like one of the things I personally don't like, I may get hate for this, but is that like, and I love sweet potatoes, but whatever that like sweet potato, sugary, jelly, like. Con- like yams or something? Yeah, it's kind of like yams, but it's it's almost like a, it's like a dessert. Yeah. I mean, they put it on the table, but it's mm-hmm. just like hella brown sugar and mashed yams. And I think there's like cream on it or some whipped cream or something on it. You yeah. ever had that? Nope. Holy shit. I thought I mean, that I've was had like, yams before, but Yeah, I thought that was a normal thing. There's some kind of like jello thing that a lot of people do too. Mm. But like anyway, I don't like that stuff. I don't like sweets. So it's just so much sugar that it just I just don't enjoy it. Like I like biscuits, gravy, turkey, mashed potatoes, the basics, you know. So I will enjoy that and then I don't track it and then I have some drinks and I'm good. I don't overdo it. I go into it mindfully because and this is where I think some people will like roll their eyes and be like, okay. I enjoy healthy food. I enjoy being fit. I enjoy health. I like feeling good. So I don't, I don't enjoy cheat meals and going out. Like I don't, I don't crave pizza. I don't like to just dominate like a whole plate of anything. I'm just kind of beyond that because I've done it so many times. And I think there's a lot of people, I have clients even that like, I'm like, Hey, you can do whatever you want here. Like you should enjoy the day. If that means like, yo, I'm going in. Okay, do it. Like this is a holiday that is literally I mean, nope. at this point, that's what it's about, yeah. you know? It's literally just about stuffing your face. So you have the full right to do so. But then there's the people who are like, you know what? I'm going to, like, kind of take it easy. I'm going to go light. I'm going to have a little bit of this. And it's kind of like a diet mindset. And then the people who are going all in, like, hate on it and then make them feel guilty. Or, like, I had a conversation with somebody, just one of our random members. Every once in a while, um, members will reach out and ask questions. And I'll just say, hey, do you just want to jump on a call? And I'll just talk to them, right? Um and we were having this conversation because I think at times people will f- make you feel guilty if you literally enjoy quote unquote clean eating. And it's like, they're coming for you. They're co- Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like at the end of the day, who uh, there's a, uh, it's actually a Jay-Z line, but what I eat doesn't make you shit. So don't worry about it. You know what I mean? Like literally this is my body, my food, like whatever I do, it's, it has no concern for you. And I don't judge you for whatever you want to eat. Cause I could care less what you put in your mouth, Yeah. you know? So don't worry about mine. Yeah. But she was talking to me about this and we were kind of talking about like people will make you feel bad for going into something like Thanksgiving or just going about your week eating clean or wanting to prioritize vegetables and shit like that because it's neurotic or it's OCD or you're trying to eat too. It's like, what's wrong with somebody who just enjoys eating healthy and doesn't rub it off on you, doesn't make you feel bad for not eating that way. Usually it stems from somebody else being insecure that they don't have the discipline to do so. Whereas I have plenty of people who do not eat that way and they don't give a fuck what I eat. So it's not a it's not a thing where they're like in an insecure place where they want to lose weight, but they can't. And so they they feel guilty when they see me be healthier, eat well. So they give me shit to try to bring me down. No, like that person just doesn't care. Yeah. And I don't care or about that. Much. Yeah. And so they don't say anything <laughs> and they keep doing their thing. And that's perfect. That's how it should be. We shouldn't be worried about each other's food and all that stuff. Um, but point being, if you're one of those people who does really like to eat that way and you want to go into it that way, go into it that way. I think that it's just important to just own your decisions. If your decision is to gain 10 pounds this holiday season, own it, do something about it afterwards. If you want to change that or just say, fuck it, this is what I want. Like who cares? Um, it's, you know what I mean? It's, it's up to you. So my, my advice is to be mindful only from a standpoint of binging and going so far over is never a positive thing from a health perspective, uh, a psychological perspective, a body image perspective, like just not a good thing. 
Um, so avoid binging. But otherwise, if you're one of the people that's like, you know what, I'm going to take a break and just go in, do it. If you're one of the people that wants to be mindful, do it. I don't recommend anybody track macros. It's extremely unrealistic, and it's just going to cause more stress for no reason. Um, but everybody should just do whatever they got to do to be present and enjoy the holiday. And then just remember, this goes for, for Thanksgiving and for Christmas. They are one day. Thanksgiving is one day. We'll probably talk about it on another episode before Christmas. 100%. Christmas is kind of two days, I guess. Christmas Eve. Depends. And nowadays, with the force rate being 70% or whatever it is, a lot of people have multiple Christmases. Um, 26. Yeah. It's... I don't know if that's an accurate percentage, by the way, people. Like, I have no idea. But um, it is very high. I know the percentage of divorce is very high. And I know that once upon a time, I had three or four Christmases, and we just decided to say no more. Because once you have a kid and you're bringing them everywhere, it's like, okay, this is just ridiculous. This family for this day, this family for this day, done, you know. But nonetheless, that usually ends up being multiple days. But it's still even just two days out of 31 days, which is the month of December. So... Don't use December as an excuse to just eat Christmas treats and holiday goodies all fucking month. That's what sets up people for uh, failure and causes the weight gain rate to go up in the holiday season. If you have Christmas Eve and Christmas off, that's a two-day diet break. Big fucking deal. You know, every Christmas Eve, I go, we do the crab feast. I just eat. I don't like crab, really, so I just basically eat cookies, drink wine. (laughs) And then the next day is Christmas. Sick. (laughs) (laughs) Christmas morning is, I mean mostly the same thing, you know, some big casserole, whatever dishes you guys do. I'm always, I don't know if, do you like Kahlua and coffee? Sure. Or Bailey's or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. Huge fan. Yeah. I started that last year. It was the first time I had it. And then I was like six cups of coffee deep by like there we go. 10 a.m. And I'm like tipsy and wired. <laughs> it's open more gifts, Blakely. Yeah. So I'm going to calm it's, down it, that. It's, very, it's good. Yeah. It's not my preference, but yeah. I'll drink it yeah. for sure. Uh, I don't ever have a reason to get tipsy with my coffee at seven in the morning. Yeah. So that's the only reason I only do it. Yeah. I do it that one time. Um, but nonetheless, that's two days. So like, yeah, it's not the whole month. Don't let it be. That's my best advice. Like be on point. Um, and some of this requires discipline. So like, I've talked to a lot of parents about this too. They're like, you know, when I, when I lived with you or even before that, it's, it was even easier for me to say like, it's one day people, because I didn't have kids. So like there was no holiday treats in my house. Because you and me weren't baking fucking Santa cookies together. Yeah. If you wanted to, treats for Christmas, you probably went to your mom's and she probably had stuff or you went to the store. So it was easier for me to say that. But now I do have a kid and Blakely loves baking. So her and Shannon are constantly baking cookies. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's a bunch of cookies on my counter right now because as of November 1st, it was Christmas time in my house, apparently. So... I see it all, all the time, but it, it, there is an aspect of discipline. Like you have to learn to just walk by it and just go, ah, I don't really want that, you know? And knowing like those are going to be here every day this month. So like if you just keep eating it, yeah, you are going to gain weight. So I don't know. There's a discipline aspect, but for the most part, it's just remembering it's just one day. Just get off plan for a day, enjoy it, and then get back on plan. Yeah. I think it goes hand in hand. Yeah. Cool. All right. We will move to the next one. We got a question coming from Ship G12. Says, how do you focus on m- micronutrients while in maintenance or even in a surplus w- when you are not eating high volume foods? Hmm. Um, okay, so a little breakdown for people: um, micronutrient dense foods are just—I mean, this some, for some people this might be obvious, but it's just going to be anything that is—it um, contains a lot of micronutrients, so it's dense with micronutrients, and often. I mean, that just really means it's dense with vitamins and minerals, right? Micronutrients are vitamins and minerals, essentially. 
Um, and typically, micronutrient-dense foods are also high-volume foods. That's why she said that. So um, high-volume foods are typically, you know, oatmeal is a high-volume food, right? Because for the same amount of carbs, I could have a slice of toast that's not going to fill me up nearly as much because the oats has more fiber and it has more vitamins and minerals in it typically than white bread, let's say. Um, now, if you have uh, like blueberries, strawberries, those are high volume foods. Strawberries, especially because they're really low carb and calories. So you can have a whole bowl of them for not that many calories and they're filled with micronutrients. But if you're at maintenance or a surplus, you don't tend to lean on eating foods like a ton of veggies or uh, big meals that are super voluminous, lettuce and stuff like that, because they're very filling and they're low calories. So it makes it even harder to hit your calories when you're trying to eat enough to be at maintenance or surplus. So that's why she's saying that. The, the reality is, I mean, there's a few very easy routes. Uh, one is a qu- easy plug for our sponsor, First Form, um, Green Strength. So having a green drink or a red drink is a really easy way to get all your micronutrients in a single shake. Now, I always say this doesn't replace, like you can't drink the green drink and just go, oh, I don't need to eat vegetables anymore or the red drink, I don't need to eat fruit anymore. You do, but that's an easy way to just like double down and ensure you're getting enough micronutrients because there's a shit ton in a scoop, you know, and, and I still, whether I'm in a diet phase, maintenance phase, gaining phase, I have it in my diet totally. every day, you know, so do you. So it's like, that's an easy staple. Um, firstform.com slash tailored coaching method is our link and they have opti reds and opti greens and those are the ones that have the different stuff if i had to recommend one for the vast majority i'd say the greens is probably more important because less people it's more likely that people are missing out on green vegetables than it is fruit you know and and the reds has other stuff like beets and tomatoes and stuff like that but um i want a grapes one purples yeah the purple purple plums yeah. grapes i think actually that stuff is in the the reds okay yeah um it's basically like dark and light so totally. like greens the, i think there's like there's even like really like green or white style vegetables totally. like broken down in there um but uh the the other thing with this too is like hitting your micronutrients is like a checkbox with flexible dieting and that's the main point here so like how do you get your micronutrients when you're doing that pretty simple like Number one, have greens and reds drinks. Number two, have a multivitamin. Number three, start by getting micronutrients foods and then just eat, fill the rest of your calories with what you want, you know? So if you need to, like typically if I'm in a maintenance phase or lean bulking, I increase the amount of white rice I have because it's an easy carb. It digests really easily. It's great for muscle glycogen. There is no nutrients in that. It is just pure carbs, glucose, glycogen, you know? But if I check off all my boxes for my health markers for micronutrients, now I can just stack white rice yeah. on top of it and I'll get my fuel that I need. So an easy way, and, and another thing too, remember is that meat and protein sources are typically more micronutrient dense, the higher calorie you get, which is the denser and the less volume it is. So for example, when you're dieting, you want like chicken breast or white fish, which is going to be lower calorie, lower fat, lower calorie because it's lower fat, still high protein and filling, egg white, stuff like that. None of those have a ton of micronutrients. What has a lot of micronutrients would be the egg yolk or steak or salmon, right? Fatty fish, fatty steak, fatty eggs, like protein sources with fat in it. Those are higher calorie, less volume. So this goes beyond just produce. A lot of times people think micronutrient-dense foods are just high-volume foods because they think of fruits and vegetables, but that's not the case. There's a lot of micronutrients in other sources, especially ones that are uh, animal uh, products. Um, dairy and meat and fish and poultry and stuff like that. And then the last thing is that you, I always kind of look at it like the flexible dieting check boxes. So when you're 
flexible dieting, you essentially go, okay, did I get my omega-3s? Meaning, did I take my fish oil? Did I have some kind of fish in my diet? Whatever, check it. Did I get my fiber? Really easy if you're at maintenance or in a surplus because you just need to eat, eat enough carbs. You're probably going to do that. Check it off. Did I get one to two servings of fruit and two to three servings of vegetables? Really not that hard. If you get the greens and the reds, that checks off one box, and then you have a couple more to fill. Super easy, honestly. Um, that's a, a cup of blueberries and a banana. Boom, you got your your checkbox for the fruit. Um and for vegetables, same thing. Like, and vegetables cook down a lot, especially if you're eating them cooked, which I typically recommend because raw vegetables are extremely difficult for most people to digest, so they don't realize it. Um, I think they're gross anyway, but like cooking them down is going to help your digestive process. Um, if you burn the shit out of them, it's not going to, they're going to burn off some of the nutrients, obviously, but eating them that way is easier. So, for example, if you put spinach in your eggs in the morning, you could put three cups of spinach and it'll cook down to a quarter cup. Like, most of them shrink quite a bit. Spinach extremely, but broccoli, even anything like Brussels, asparagus, whatever you like, those will cook down. It'll be easier to consume. And then you check off your boxes. So like you don't really need more. And a lot of times the high volume foods, and I think about it too, they're also going to be foods that are very unmicronutrient dense. So for example, pickles, those are very uh, high volume foods because they're extremely low calorie. It's basically just a salty stick of water that you're chewing on, which is great for people when they're dieting because they can eat and they're not consuming a lot of calories if you like pickles. I can't stand them. But the pickle itself doesn't have a ton of nutrients in it, yeah. right? Um, celery, same thing. Lettuce, same thing. Lettuce is crunchy water. There's nothing in it. So you're actually going to get more bang for your buck with other types of produce anyway, non-diet foods. Um, I mean, they're all diet foods because they're, they're produce. But nonetheless, that's, that's what I would recommend. Um, and the thing to remember is with these check boxes is I can check off the fruit box. I can check off the fiber, check off the omega threes, check off like, um, my whole foods. If you want to have like a bucket of, uh, and like, so to speak, like you're filling up your bucket with rocks, you have to get, you know, X servings of whole food based protein per day, one per meal, whatever it is, right. You check off all your boxes. Now you have X amount of calories left Fill them with whatever you want because you've checked off your micronutrient boxes and then you can be flexible with the rest of your diet. Um, and if you do that, it's actually really, really easy. And, and the thing to remember too, is I think a lot of people, they, they forget or they just don't realize they've never thought about it like this. Cause usually when I say this to people there, you can tell they've never thought about it like this. If you eat, I don't know, two cups of blueberries, that's a good amount of vitamins, antioxidants, right? If you eat four cups of blueberries, that's a fuck ton of those same antioxidants, vitamins, minerals. You're not a healthier human being because you ate four cups of blueberries versus two cups, right? Once you get enough antioxidants, you get enough vitamin C, you get enough of anything, you're fine. Yeah. You know, you don't need more. Um, same thing with fiber. Actually, it's it's even the worst. Like, not enough fiber is bad. A good amount of fiber is good. A ton of fiber can be bad, right? So you don't want to get too much. Most vitamins are like that too because you'll have digestive issues. Um, fats are the same way. It's It's not a micronutrient, but a lot of people associate fats with healthy hormones, which is true, but they don't act like steroids. You don't you know, they have a lot of good research now, it's too, showing saturated fat specifically. If you don't get enough, your testosterone is going to drop. Other sex hormones will drop for females. But if you see that and then triple your fat, saturated fat intake, you're going to have issues potentially with your arteries, but you're going to have issues with your health and you're not going to supercharge your testosterone. You already max it out by having enough. Yeah. You don't get more by having more. You just still have enough. Now you're just storing fat and getting unhealthy. So, um, yeah, I mean, in general, the 80-20 rule, 90-10 rule, right? Yeah. 80 to 90% of your diet, fill it with whole foods. You're going to check off your micronutrient boxes super easily, and then 
be flexible with the rest. Yeah, I don't know if I was uh, if I didn't understand you correctly, but you were talking about checking off boxes, and you said the green string checks your v- vegetables off, but does the red string not check it off? Because you said you might need a banana and uh, checks off. One, so, like I said, uh, your the the checkbox for vegetables, for example, two to three veg servings of vegetables per day. The green string would be one serving. Oh, one of two to three. Same with reds. Yep, reds. And fruit, I usually tell people one to three. Like, you don't need more than three servings of fruits per day because you don't want to have too much sugar, obviously. Yeah. It's good sugar, but sugar, period. You have too much. It's not, not a good thing. Um, and uh, you, you do need at least one to two. Three is a good amount, too, for some people. And obviously, the bigger the human, the more yeah. they can handle or, or need. Um, but the reason is is because your liver is the primary storage place for mm. fructose, which is the sugar of fruit, right? Whereas your muscle cells are the primary... F- uh, storage unit, I guess you could call it for, uh, carbohydrates and glycogen, which is glucose. So your muscles can hold way more glycogen and carbs than your liver can hold fruit and fructose carbs, right? So you can't have as much fruit as you can other carbohydrates, which is why it's funny because people will be like, Oh, uh, you know, they're, they're limiting carbs. They say carbs is bad. So they stop eating breads or whole grains or any of those things which, mind you, are very micronutrient-dense, and they'll start eating a ton of fruit because that's natural. And it's like, yeah, but a fruit's not really serving you after you fill up your liver glycogen, you know? Um, again, it goes totally. back to fact. Once you get enough, you got enough. You don't yeah. need... And that's the same... It's honestly the same thing with a surplus in calories. People want... You need to be in a calorie surplus to gain a lot of muscle, especially if you're an advanced lifter. But if you go into a 250-calorie surplus and you're gaining at a steady rate... And you, then you're like, fuck yeah, I'm going to gain even faster. And you go to a 500 calorie surplus, there's a good chance you're just going to gain fat. Like you could, your body can only physiologically build so much muscle tissue per day, per week, per month. You know what I mean? And if you're maxing that out, adding more calories doesn't do anything. It just gives you more fuel that you're not using, which is why also if you are going to increase, it should only be linearly or because of your training increasing. So you increase, you go into surplus, you start gaining, and then you increase your training volume. You might need to increase more calories. But a lot of people just go, oh, I just need more calories so I can gain faster. It's like, yeah, you're just going to get fat faster. So rule of thumb, point, more is not better yeah. in general. So, Why do you not like pickles? I just, dude, I just can't stand them. <laughs> I don't, you know what's funny? I don't like cucumbers either. Man, cucumbers dude. are pickles. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, people listening. <laughs> I, I, I ordered a salad in Arizona. Did I tell you about that with the, the pickled cucumbers on it? I don't know. I was uh, in okay. Arizona when I was speaking at that thing, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we ordered. I ordered. I actually didn't even order. I was just fucking with the waitress because I was like so confused. I like. I was like, "This salad. It says uh, it's got pickled cucumbers on it." And she was like, "Yep." And I was like, "Hmm. Are they not pickles?" And she was like, "Well, no, they're pickled cucumbers." And I was like, "But isn't a pickle a cucumber that's pickled?" And she was just like a deer in headlights, like. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to cook, sir. <laughs> I didn't know what to say. And then Brad was like, he's an asshole. He doesn't even want the salad. And I was just like, yeah, I don't. Like, all of this thing. <laughs> it was hilarious. But she was so confused. Yeah. She came back and tried to explain it to me. I was going to say, did they? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm totally joking with you. Oh. It's probably a fancy way of writing what Pickle. Is, yeah. Yeah. And you guys are just trying to. It was a hipster, like, yeah. salad bar. Like, every table was, like, a different color, and all the chairs were different. I was sitting in, like, this weird grandma-looking chair with, like, those, like, beads on it and shit. Like, it was a very weird hipster kind of, like, it was a cool place. It was good food, but, yeah, yeah it was funny. Cool. All right, let's let's uh, let's move on to the next question. Uh, we got one coming from Izarbi. 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 Are diet beverages, like diet sodas or artificially sweetened beverages, actually unhealthy? Is it bad to drink one 
twice or more a day. Gulp. No. As I drink a rock star, if you're watching this. No, it's not. Um, I drink more than two a day. So rest assured, you will be fine. So uh, I don't – actually, we do. We, we should link this in the show notes. We, uh, Brandon Roberts did a, um, a blog, an article on – it was a research review article on the research regarding artificial sweeteners, and he kind of breaks down the different types of artificial sweeteners. So um, you can go read that, and you can see there is science to prove that, no, you don't have anything to worry about. Um, most of them are totally fine. I think there is one, um, I can't remember what it is. Um, and the reason I can't remember is because all of them are fine in the quantities we consume them in. So it's literally not worth my study time (laughs) to figure it out. But there is one that is, um, that got, had worse, uh, study reviews, essentially like one of the studies did show problems. Um, with that one versus the others, but still we got to remember this is in rats and when you're feeding a rat, if you feed a rat two packets of Splenda, that's like us drinking a whole fucking, I don't know, 48 ounce. Yeah. Like it's just stupid. It's the, the quantities just don't match up. I mean, their stomach is probably the size of my thumbnail compared to, I don't know if that's accurate, maybe two of my thumbnails. It's very tiny. You know what I mean? Compared to ours. So it's just not, it's just not something to even, you know, if you actually, and they've done it, like if, this is the problem. People will read the study and go, see, I told you. And then it's like, well, read the, the sample size and the dosage and then the actual diameter of their stomach versus the human stomach. And they, if you actually read the whole study and they will break that stuff down and they'll show you that like, okay, yes, you have to drink 100 cans of Diet Coke in, in a day, like in a setting in order to equate to this. Wow. And it's like, okay, so it's dangerous if I drink 100. Yeah, of course. I can drown and die from drinking water. But like I promise, I'm not going to be able to drink that much water in a setting. But you can. Yep. Like there's, you can, you can definitely drown yourself by drinking too much water. Yep. But goddamn, that's a lot of water, you know. Yep. So it's just like, do we really worry about it? Um, the other thing that a lot of people claim is like gut health issues, uh, that it's bad for your gut, and that's been debunked too. And now a lot of them are saying, well, we don't have a long enough studies, and that's what everybody says. Like when when research debunks, uh, like, um. They call them like charlatans or, or gurus and stuff like that. You know, when they debunk the zealots theory, they always come back with that study wasn't long enough to prove that with yeah. humans. And it's like, okay, but what are we supposed to do? Lock up humans for five years and then test them? Like nobody's going to do that. So um, it's probably not even legal. But most of the research has just shown that it's just, it just, uh, it's neutral or positive. And so what that means is that it literally does nothing for us or it's positive. And the reason it's positive because there's a lot of research on artificial sweeteners in obese, uh, participants. And the reason they do it that way is because one obese individuals are almost guaranteed to have a poor, uh, blood marker, health marker, like reading, right? You can test their blood and you can see like, yep, they have not great health, right? They're obese. Typically, when you have too much adipose tissue, fat tissue, it causes negative health markers. So they use them and then they attempt to, one, see if these artificial sweeteners make those markers worse or better. Most of the time it's neutral, doesn't do anything, um, meaning it doesn't make it worse, doesn't make it better, it's not healthy for you. And then the other side of it was, though, is that they always lose weight. So in the, in the studies that the participants lose weight, they see healthier markers because they've lost weight and they've also had research that shows it is easier to lose weight while consuming artificial sweeteners because 
if somebody's drinking, and this is not an exaggeration, like I've had clients that have come to us, especially way back when I worked in the gym and we'd get like literally like brand new, fresh off uh, out of the street, like I've never done anything, I need help losing weight type of client, which we don't get as much today, but they would literally be like, I drink a liter of Coke a day. You know, wow. that's not unrealistic. There's a lot of obese people that will literally drink that much soda. Um, and we go, okay, switch to diet soda. Instantly, they literally cut 1,000 calories a day. Like, tell me they're not going to lose weight. Yeah. And then when they lose weight, their cholesterol, their blood pressure, their their hormones, everything improves, you know? So there's just too much evidence to support artificial sweeteners help people adhere to a calorie deficit or they literally just create a calorie deficit and people don't realize it because they're still drinking the same amount of liquid. It's just diet, right? So, um, yeah, there's, there's literally no – I wouldn't call them healthy. Um, I think they're – indirectly healthy yeah. because they can help you stick to a diet that promotes more health for sure. Um, but there's no issues with it. In fact, there's, I, I, I emailed to try to get her on the podcast, but she's not big on social media. Um, she's just really one of those people that's just in the lab constantly. And I can't remember the name off the top of my head, which makes this even worse. But, um, uh, Lane Norton had a short interview with her on his YouTube and, uh, she is a, one of the, like the leading gut health specialists. She's like all about artificial sweeteners mm. and she's like, there is zero evidence for it that they're negative on the gut. Wow. So if there's anybody that can, you know, justify that statement, it's her. Um, and, yeah, so there's really nothing to worry about. And as far as, like, two, as I said earlier, two drinks per day is, is very minimal. Um, I've only had a couple situations ever where I've had clients that I've actually had to uh, monitor their artificial sweetener intake and, like, literally ask them, like, I want you to track how many grams of artificial sweeteners, whether it's erythritol or whatever, like how many grams of artificial sweeteners are you consuming? How many calories from artificial sweeteners are you consuming? Um, and typically the calories don't matter much for, in terms of fat loss, but I did that because you can see when somebody's so bloated and gassy and, and has discomfort in their gut and or they're having an extremely difficult time hitting their calories because they're filling it with so many zero calorie foods that are keeping them full. Um, it does become an issue, but there, I mean, like, for example, like I'm talking coffee has zero calorie stuff in it. Breakfast has zero calorie sauce with zero calorie sweetening. And then they're drinking a zero calorie drink with it. Their pre-workout and post-workout have zero calorie stuff. Their BCAs they drink during the session have zero calorie stuff. They drink coffee at work or energy drinks. They have zero calorie sweeteners in it. Like it's just an insane amount chewing gum all the time. And those individuals I have seen have issues, but again, it's like an unrealistic amount. Like I, I consume quite a bit. Rock stars. Um, I have like low sugar ketchup in the morning. I have um, a couple diet sodas at night. Sugar free. Sugar free. Yeah, barbecue. it's all like sweetener, sugar free barbecue sauce. Um, so I have a good amount, and I have no issues at all. So I, I mean, you got to consume a lot for it to be issue. And even that, it's not like it's a, it's not a health concern. It's just extremely discomforting, and they're yeah. having some digestive stress. Yeah. So. Cool. All right. Uh, we will move on to the next question coming from Carrie F. Baby. If I lost 100 pounds and gained 40 back, would I use the same macros to lose, to lose it again? Nothing seems to be working. Um, it's hard to say. You could. But if it's not working, then no. <laughs> you know, um, I think there's, there is situations where I think it could potentially work for sure. Um, I also think that there's going to be a degree of metabolic adaptation that is occurring and you may need. So like, for example, if 
you gained that uh see this is the other hard thing it's like okay well it, if you i mean if we if I, I doubt that they have the exact math on this but if if you had the math or the numbers to where we could go okay you're you were like that last 40 pounds that you gained back you were eating 1200 calories a day to lose that and when you gained it back your calories ended up at 1700 and then you're like okay i'm gonna go back to 1200 and it's not working um there could be reason to believe that you might need 1100 like you might need a slightly bigger deficit and the reason would be if metabolic adaptation was so great during that 100 pound weight loss and this is especially true if you gained it rapidly, if you gained it back rapidly. So if, if the 100-pound weight loss was pretty aggressive and it caused a, a lot of metabolic adaptation, which I would imagine it is, um, because as we've talked about on the podcast, those who are extremely successful in long-term, large amounts of weight loss do have a higher degree of metabolic adaptation. It's actually proof of success. It's not like a negative thing. It's just part of that journey. Um, and that was in that the review of the Biggest Loser study. Um, that's what they called it. So it wasn't like the TV show. But um, essentially... They just saw that the people who lost the most amount of weight and kept it off had the highest degree of metabolic adaptation. It didn't mean they were more unhealthy. It didn't mean that they were unhappy or, or having a tough time. It just meant that they lost a lot of fat and their body mass shrank and it requires less calories for them to sustain their new body weight. And they lost so much weight that there is a great degree of that, which is a good thing, and that yeah. is metabolic adaptation. So, But if that happened to a great degree, it could be making it more difficult for you to die back in and lose that fat, um, which would mean that either A, you need a bigger deficit or B, you just need time off. Like I know you gained that 40 pounds back and you want to lose it again, but it might be a, a, the case where you're like, I need to I need to sit back in maintenance for a little bit and just recover before I try to attempt this again. Um, it's hard to say, like we have clients that are both ways. It, it's either we got to get more aggressive now or it's um, we got to take a break. And sometimes it's better to get aggressive with cardio because if you did adapt and you didn't use much cardio, you just dieted the whole time, use a different form of caloric deficit in order to create that energy expenditure. Um, and then the other side of it too is if the macros aren't working that were before, if they were an unfavorable macro ratio, then yeah, they probably wouldn't work. You know what I mean? Like if, if you lost that weight and you were eating really low protein and high fat, low carb, or like not tracking anything, just, just hitting calories, you weren't even tracking macros then I would say, yeah, you probably need to change those because that's an unfavorable ratio of macros and diet setup, but you were in a calorie deficit and you were probably, I mean, if you had hundred pounds loose, I got to imagine you were probably a beginner in that, you know, you weren't advanced or, or really knew what you're doing. So anything would work at that point. You're a newbie. Um, so yeah, it, it really depends, um, on a lot of those different things. Yeah. Yeah. Travis is smiling over here. Maybe get a coach. <laughs> uh, Pointing to the Taylor Coaching Method logo. Um, that's and that's another thing. Like having somebody else be able to step into mantra is obviously a really good tool. In in, it's the most guaranteed way to get the result. Like you know, and just at least end your frustration. If you don't know what's going on, somebody else will. And as in somebody else, I mean us, because yep. we are professionals at this. So, um, of course, TaylorCoachingMethod.com slash online dash coaching. You can apply for coaching, get a free call, and see what it's about. I do think we could help you. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, if you lost 100 pounds, you gained 40 back, like you've been doing this a long time on your own, it's probably time that you have somebody else step in and help you out for sure. So I, th I think there's a lot of advantage in that. Um, there was one more thing I was going to say about uh, about this. Um, and now I'm, I'm forgetting what it is. Um, take a break. Go aggressive. Yeah, I don't know. You were talking about cardio instead of dieting. <clears throat> yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah. All right. Uh, want to move on? 
Yep. Okay, so we got uh, another one coming from Martin Q. Coopers. Um, do you fear your child your child will be food focused too much with your lifestyle? I have a seven month old and always wonder what is too much. Good question. Um. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got to say, it. Martin, we'll be back. Yeah, we'll be back, Martin. Sorry. Um. Sometimes individual. So the other reason uh, this might be happening is be- if there is body fat hyperplasia going on. So there's no human research on this, um, or if there is, it's very minimal, but there is animal research. And a lot of times animal research is enough for us to go off of in certain scenarios, is, as long as we like factor in the differences, right? Um, and in this case, I think it makes sense. Uh, and, and there's some books that reference this study and, and talk about this in, in them, but body fat hyperplasia is the process of adding new fat tissues. So if you think of like muscle hyperplasia, it would be adding new muscle tissue. Whereas, um, I don't know what it would actually be called to grow. I can't remember what it's called to grow fat cells or grow muscle tissue, but essentially we can do one of two things, right? We can either a fat cell gets bigger or we multiply fat cells, get new fat cells. So typically fat cells shrink when you lose weight, right? That is for sure. We know that. Um, can you completely remove them? I'm not even 100% sure if you can. I think they literally just get, we have to have fat cells there. So when you go through a large weight loss, a lot of times we see fat cells shrink. And we also know that certain people have more fat cells than others. Now that can be genetic, but if somebody is obese and they have more fat cells than somebody who's lean, and then this obese person gets leaner and all their fat cells shrink, but they're still not as lean as the person who was lean the whole time, you got to imagine that during that process of becoming obese or gaining a lot of weight, they probably had some body fat hyperplasia going on where they accumulated new fat cells and those fat cells grow, right? So the hard part about that is now we don't just have fat cells we want to shrink. We have fat cells that we have to try to get rid of, which we don't even know if we can. So the reason I'm saying this is because the one way that we think this can happen is if it's a rapid fat accumulation. Most likely when we see people gain weight slowly over a period of time, it's less likely that happens. So a good example of this is we, I've worked with a lot of people like this, somebody who is a ex college athlete, even if they're not like NCAA or anything like crazy like that, but they played sports their whole life. They played sports in college. They've always been fit. Then they graduate, they get a job, have a family. And over the course of a decade, they got a fat beer belly and they're like, what the fuck happened? They hire us and we help them get lean. Now they look like a jacked 40 year old athlete. You know, like that's, that's a common thing that we see um, with men and women. Now, sometimes like the reason they're able to get back to that is most likely because it took them 10 years to gain that weight and those fat cells grew. So now we shrink those fat cells and guess what? They look like they used to pretty simple, but if we add new fat cells, they might not be able to get as lean as they were because they, they, they had body fat hyperplasia. And the mechanism at which they think causes body fat hyperplasia is rapid weight regain. So the reason I bring this up is because if somebody loses 100 pounds, and this isn't to like shatter your hopes, I don't want to demotivate you. I just, if anything, this motivates you to do it right this time and sustain it. Because if you're going to lose weight, and this is why I hate like cheap paid in full, quick transformation programs that get you super lean, super quick, and then say, peace out, I got your before and after picture. And then you just get fat afterwards. Like, and it happens so much. It's why we prioritize uh, education and long-term results so much with our clients. Because if we get you lean, we have to have a plan for after the plan so that we get you lean and then we show you how to stay lean. Because what we don't want is for you to gain, if you lose 100 pounds, gain 40 pounds, 
really quick. If you gain 40 pounds over a year, that's different. But there are people, I've, I've had clients that came to me after like a show and they gained 32 pounds. Literally, I have somebody in mind gained 32 pounds in literally a few weeks because they go do a show. They've been restricting themselves so hard. They just binge their way 32 pounds heavier in the course of three weeks, skip the gym, just keep eating every day, you know, and that's, and that happens. Wow. So if you gain 40 pounds in a month or two, then you might have body fat hyperplasia going on. Doesn't mean you can ever get back to your goal. It just means it might be more difficult this time than it was the first time because you had that rapid weight regain. And now it's not just shrinking the same fat cells. It is shrinking more different fat cells. If this phenomenon is real, we see it in in animals. I would assume it's real in humans. Totally. Just wanted to add that. Yeah. Um, Now, Martin, do I think my daughter's going to have food issues because of my lifestyle? Obviously not, or I wouldn't continue my lifestyle. Um, I think that I personally believe, like, I don't think it's impossible or not true. I think some people use that as a cop-out. They're like, oh, I can't eat healthy because I got kids. I, you know, there's snacks around stuff. It's like, no, that's your own discipline. Like, Blakely wants cookies, and she wants them for herself. Every once in a while, she's like, here, and she wants me to eat a goldfish or some shit. Okay, cool, whatever, you know. We'll go to Menchie's Frozen Yogurt. She loves that place because there's not really like an ice cream shop over here. So we pass that, and she always wants that. And I'll go with her, and I'll, I'll eat some sometimes. And, like, that stuff you can do in moderation and everything. But, like, kids don't really give a shit if you eat their food as much as people think. Like, and if they ask and you say, no, I'm okay, they forget about it. Yeah. You know, like, and sometimes I'm like, no, that looks gross. Like, I don't want that. And she's just like, okay, and just keeps eating, you know. So, like, it's, it's, it's really not as big of an issue as most people think. Now, if, if my daughter, this is the difference too. My daughter's four. She doesn't even, like, register what the food scale on the counter is. She doesn't, like, if she doesn't care about what something is, she doesn't even concern herself with it. And even with some things where she will say, like, what's that? And I don't want her to know what it is. Like, she's grabbed things okay, because I literally just, I make up something. Oh, that's daddy's. Don't worry about it. Okay. Walks off. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it doesn't register. She don't care. Um, they ask why for everything. And if they really don't care, they're just going to leave it be, you know? Um, but point being is like, if, if she was 15 and I was like obsessing over it in front of her or even weighing her food or something like that, or like, then maybe it'd be different. I think the biggest thing is, is, and this happens in relationships too, like Shannon's never had any eating issues even though I track and weigh my food and she never has you know she she's dabbled into a little bit now she's trying to gain muscle inside like it's not even weight loss you know but like there's never been she's never felt like judged or like worried about it or like she can't have wine on a Wednesday because I'm healthy and I don't because I don't place judgment on her and I don't give a shit and I don't say things but if I made sly comments like oh you're gonna drink tonight like oh it's Thursday you have wine (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, how, did you wait? Like, how much is that? Is that a cup? How, how long you'd be married for? How many carbs do you think that is? Like, <laughs> of course there would be an issue. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that is the stuff. Yeah. And, but once again, what I eat doesn't make her shit. Yeah. What she eats doesn't make me shit. So I don't, I don't care. I love her. You want to fuck you want? I, I literally don't give a shit. Yeah. It honestly, I said it from the get go because she was like. We had a conversation about this early on, and I was like, hey, look, I'm more worried about you thinking I'm a weirdo because I'm sitting here fucking weighing a chicken breast. Yeah. Like, you still love me? And she's <laughs> like, yeah, I'm all right, cool. Then I'm like, you do you. You're more normal than me. But, like, as long as you're not saying stuff, that it's never going to rub off, you know? Like, um, 
I love bringing Blakely in the gym. It's a it's a good environment and atmosphere. Um, seeing her seeing me work out, me telling her to get on the rower, and she's like trying to race me. And it's never about calories. It's never about weight loss. It's never about changing you. It's about making you stronger, making you healthier. And that's how we relate everything to it. And so, hundred percent. And so, like for us, we tell her like, hey. Being active, lifting weights, exercising makes you smarter, makes you healthier, makes you live longer, makes you big and strong, like keeps the doctor away. And I mean, for her, she fucking hates the doctor because of her surgery and everything. So like those things are all positive aspects. You know, if you mention negative aspects or place judgment, it's a totally different ballgame. But yeah, I I have no zero concerns about that whatsoever. Totally. Cool. That was the last question of the day. Cool, guys. Uh, as always, leave us a five-star rating and review. Spotify and iTunes if you like the podcast. Uh, happy holidays. Have a great Thanksgiving. Eat your face off if that's what you want to do. Be mindful. Don't binge. We love you guys. Appreciate you listening. We'll catch you next time. Yeah.